This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91. The same idea of, in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. I'm your host, Sean Heat. Today, I have the pleasure of talking to someone who understands what is actually happening with money. I know, right? Very exciting. Today's guest is Vic Devji, the Vice President of Chima America. Vic, how are you today? I'm very well today. Thanks, John. Your expertise is in helping companies, retailers specifically, reduced the cost of money, which I have always found to be very ironic. I want to start off with, I hope this isn't a ridiculous question, but I'm sure you'll let me know. Is there an optimal operational cost for cash recycling? Yes, indeed, um, Sean, and thanks thanks for having me on the show. Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been involved in uh, implementing cash handling solutions in the retail space, um, for a number of years now. And the one thing that I've learned is that there uh, retailers today, both you know here in the US as well as globally, um, experience a lot of pain. And that pain revolves around a number of different factors, but there's a lot of pain around managing cash within a typical retail store environment. And so um, what we provide is we provide technology and we provide solutions to help those retailers reduce that cost. And while we go through an, um, kind of a study with the retailer that helps them identify what those costs are, because in, in a lot of cases, retailers today don't even know what the actual cost of managing cash within a store is. So we take them on that journey and we help them analyze what those costs are and then determine how we can help them reduce those costs through some sort of automated solution. I want to talk about that in just a minute because I know... Uh, through the growth of credit cards and debit cards, those companies charge retailers a processing fee or handling fee. There, you know, there there are no nonprofit credit card companies, and so retailers have to deal with that. So there's an additional burden that the retailer assumes, and whether they decide to pass on part of that burden to the customer or not is not the conversation for today. I, I never I, I never really considered that cash could be a burden for a retailer. Glad you raised that as well, Sean. Um, yeah, look, if you look at if you look at a typical retail environment today and how they manage cash, assuming it's a very manual environment, I mean, it is very much a labor-intensive process within a within a retail store. And that retail store can be anything from a supermarket, a department store, or even a fast food um, QSR type of business. But the but but the process of managing cash today in those environments is many very manual. Hence the reason why there's a lot of labor cost involved in in managing cash. So rather than having staff that are customer facing and working with customers to help them have a better store experience, a lot of staff spend a lot of time um, in a cash office or in an office of some sort manually managing cash. So you have that cost of of managing cash, which is the labor component. But then there's also, as you would expect, and, and as a lot of retailers have experienced today, there's this element of security and risk um, around theft of cash as well. So, you know, we've, we've spoken to a number of retailers, um, again, both here as well as internationally, and a lot of these big retailers have what we call, what they call loss prevention teams 
that actually travel around the country to determine and to try and reconcile losses of cash within a retail store. So there's that cost as well. And then there's a, a number of other things, uh, you know, depending on the type of business that it is and the amount of cash they consume, um, there's higher insurance costs and there's higher handling costs with external companies, which in, in the industry we call cash in transit companies who pick up cash and take it away uh, for, for processing. Um, the higher your cash volumes, obviously, the higher those costs become. All right. So I noticed just the other day, and I, I, couldn't, I can't believe that I didn't recognize this any sooner. I walked in to, to make a purchase, and it was you know like $3 and change. So I reached into my pocket, and I did not pull out any money. I was not aware that I didn't actually have cash on me. And then I had to actually take a moment to think, when was the last time I actually had money in my pocket? And it was like a month ago. I have to be some sort of outlier. Sean, you, wouldn't, you certainly are not an outlier, and I don't think you're alone. There's a, there's a big part of the U.S. population, and you know, in, in, a lot of develop, in a lot of the developed world, um, very similar scenarios would exist where there'd be a lot of people walking around without any cash. And I think, you know, that's where the push comes from around cash disappearing because the people that are actually talking about cash disappearing are those like yourselves who, um, you know, enjoy the convenience and enjoy the, the, the flexibility and the ease of use of just walking around with a debit card or a credit card to pay for purchases that, you know, are you know, as small as $3.45, as you say, um, all the way up to, you know, $20. But, but having said that, though, um, the research, um, and there's a lot of research that, that has been done in recent times um, around um, the volume of cash that's in circulation and whether cash um, as a payment mechanism is actually going to go away. And you'd be surprised to know, Sean, that today in the U.S., there is over $1.5 trillion worth of U.S. currency in circulation around the country at any given point in time. And cash still continues to be the most you know, frequently used consumer payment instrument according to um, a number of research documents um, that you know, we can certainly you know, share with uh, the audience um, later on. But what we know for sure, both here in, in the US and in a number of other developed countries around the world, cash is still very heavily used um, and will continue to be heavily used. One of the other interesting components of the US market that I've certainly learned over the last 12 months is that it has one of the highest, uh, what we call unbanked population in, in, in the world, which means that there is a huge percentage of people in the US that actually don't have a bank account. And these people would use cash primarily for paying all sorts of things from their rent and their utility bills to their groceries, as well as their their day-to-day -day clothing shopping for that matter. So, you know, that percentage is a huge volume and hence the reason why we believe in this industry that um, cash will continue to remain. The other really interesting development in the US market today is that a number of states and a number of cities have now banned um, stores that have, have, have signs that say uh, cash is not accepted. In other words, they've made it illegal to not accept cash as a legal payment tender, which, uh, which is an interesting development and, and great news for our industry as well. After that experience, I am now making sure that I have $20 in my pocket. It's a good idea. <laughs> um, you know, it's funny because I think about uh, the stories about Frank Sinatra 
and back in the day, uh, the 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 rumor goes that he would never leave uh, his home or his hotel room without a thousand dollars cash in his pocket in one hundred dollar bills. You know, you mentioned these stores that are trying to go cashless. There is a bit of anxiety that I noticed myself when I that day when I didn't have three dollars in cash. I noticed there's a bit of anxiety that comes with having an electronic payment as your only form of payment. It feels like there's you're giving up a bit of control. And I have to admit, walking around knowing that I have a $20 bill in my pocket that's going to still be a $20 bill even if there was an electrical outage, there's a bit of peace of mind that comes along with that. And you just took it for, I took it for granted uh, before I actually was consciously made aware of it. Well, I mean, you know, there's a where I used to work um, just across the road. There was a there's a quite a nice cookie shop, right? They make you know some pretty high end cookies, and you know they're quite well known for that. But there's a nice little sign on their counter that says uh, we don't accept cash due to security reasons. So what does that mean? The person that really wants to buy one of their cookies, who doesn't have a bank account that only earns in cash, can't actually walk in that store and purchase their cookies. And, you know, that's just a small example, but there are hundreds and hundreds of businesses out there that have similar policies, which I fundamentally disagree with. And, you know, I think the industry in general, some of the states that have implemented these new laws fundamentally believe that it's a discriminatory practice to uh, not allow cash from being accepted as, a, as, as what is a, a legal government tender. As somewhat of an optimist, as wages increase, hopefully, uh, do you think that cash recycling will become even more impactful on a business's bottom line? So, Sean, yeah, absolutely. And we've definitely seen um, quite a lot of uh, press lately about some big retailers um, increasing or looking towards increasing their minimum wage uh, for the staff within their operations, Target being one of them, McDonald's being another and, you know, that will certainly create an industry trend. And, and I think a lot of other retailers will, will certainly follow, which is actually good news for, for, um, for the market. Um, and what we, what we know and what I certainly know personally from working in a country like Australia, where labor costs are extremely high. In fact, the minimum wage for a uh, person in a cash office in a retail environment in Australia is about $25 an hour. And so... What we know is that as wages increase and as, as retailers have to spend more and more money on, on labor within their retail environments, they will continue to look at ways to optimize and to reduce that labor dependency through automation. We see examples of that across various uh, technology layers today. Um, so cash recycling obviously is, is one of those areas where we're starting to see more and more retailers uh, look into ways to optimize how they manage cash in a store. One of the challenges, I think, for our overall industry is going to be um, as, as retailers of different size begin looking at, at cash recycling to optimize their costs, um, it's going to be imperative that um, the industry offers a range of solutions, whether they're small recyclers or medium recyclers or even larger recyclers, to cater for the different sizes of retail businesses they are out there because retail is not just about Walmart. It's not just about Target. It's about some of the local family-run supermarkets. Um, it's about you know different fast food type of businesses and um, independent hardware stores and those sorts of businesses. So I think the challenge is going to be 
finding the right technology for the different environments. But absolutely, I think it's going to be a, a big topic over the next couple of years. Have you found that different countries approach cash recycling differently? And if so, is it a, is it a cultural difference or just a different mindset? Um, I, I definitely see, and I've been exposed, fortunately, in, in, in the years that I've been in the cash handling industry, Sean, um, I've been exposed to a lot of different markets, whether it's Australia or Asia or South America and now the US. Um, uh, they do definitely approach, I wouldn't say cash recycling differently, but they approach cash handling um, uh, as, a, as, a, as a business operation very, very differently. So as an example, in Australia, because labor costs are so high, cash recycling tends to be um, what retailers are exploring more and more. And there's many, many examples of cash recycling solutions deployed over there. Um, you'll see the same in countries like Asia, especially in countries like Singapore, for example, where labor costs are, are higher than the average Asian country, recycling being, being very prevalent there. However, in places like South America, where labor costs are low, but cash volumes are high, um, the cash handling concept over there is very much around uh, depositing cash as quickly as possible um, and keeping that cash secure rather than actually recycling. So I think it'll be a balance between, between the cost of managing cash and the volume of cash. And you know, once, once those, the, the cost of managing cash goes up, that's when recycling really has a, a strong play in the retail industry. Is there a currency that you've worked with in your career that you thought was really cool in, in its form factor? Uh, I'm a bit biased to that uh, question, Sean. O Australia, obviously. Um, if you look at an Australian note today, it's it's uh, it's pretty cool. In fact, Australia was one of the countries that pioneered what they call polymer notes, um, and uh, you know it's that very plastic sort of note. You can't tear it, you can't crush it. It just doesn't even crease. So uh, so yeah, it's a good fun currency to play with. And they uh, they've now migrated and, and deployed a whole new series of notes as well to add extra level of security and so on. So, uh, yeah. At some point, physical uh, notes are going to become so technologically advanced that they will surpass digital currency in their complexity. I'd say so. I'd say you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think at some point, someone's going to come up with a note that has a fingerprint reader built into the note. <laughs> I'd like to see that. There's a lot of research and a lot of technology that goes into into designing and, and manufacturing a banknote. I think you'd be surprised if you had to dig deep into that. I'm not trying to offend you by asking this question. I believe that you may be the man who has an answer that can finally solve this conundrum for me. Would you get rid of the penny? I would absolutely get rid of the penny. Really? There's just there's just no point, Sean. It's it's way too low of a value of a, of a denomination to... But it's Abraham Lincoln! I know, I know, I know, but it, it's just hard to manage, right? It just, it just, you know, creates it just creates a whole extra layer of complexity in the in the retail world, in the banking world, um, and I don't think anyone would miss it. Um, I'll give you an example. I mean, in Australia, the, the the first denomination in a coin is the five cent piece, um, so they literally don't have anything up to up to five cents. And and in terms of notes, the first note is a five dollar note. Um, they have a one dollar coin and a two dollar coin. So um, I think you know I think coins are there to stay, but I'm, in my opinion, increase the value of coins um, rather than 
you know, and, and rather than have lower denomination notes. I have to say, I'm actually on a mission, Vic, to increase the amount of coins that I have. I don't really care what their denomination is. I just want to have more of them. <laughs> You'd like to collect them in a jar, do you, Sean? I do like to have a large amount of coins. It's weird. There's something that feels very safe about having a jar of coins somewhere in your house. It's good. It's good to have. Yep, absolutely. Today, it has been my pleasure to have a conversation with Vic Devji, the Vice President of Chima America. Vic, thank you so much for taking the time today. This is really cool, and I definitely look forward to having another opportunity to talk with you again down the road. Sean, thank you very much. It's been great being on your show. 